Guys, welcome back to Living Disciple. My name is Mark, and today we have a very exciting show for you. We're going to be talking about uh, why should you read the Bible? Before we continue with this show, I would love to invite you guys to become one of our sponsors on patreon.com slash livingdisciple. These funds will be used to continue to run the show and to support our missionary friends across the ocean. Their job is to make disciples in all nations. If this is something God is calling you to do and to become part of, then please do it by going to patreon.com slash livingdisciple. And now, guys, let's get back to the show. Uh, one of the aspects I feel like people underestimate you know, a lot of times, one of the examples is my brother, you know, I've been sort of speaking into him. I've been referencing the scripture. And this is the brother that I've been mentioning to you in the previous podcasts about cancer. But it dawned on me that I just don't think he's reading the scripture and how important it is because people sort of get confused and they say, God is not talking to me. God is not revealing to me. I don't, I don't know if I can hear him. And one of the easiest, easiest things that you should be doing is reading the scripture. Now, this is a subject I really want to talk about and sort of expand on in this blog. Why is it reading the scripture is ex extremely important? Why it's so crucial to maturity and to even hearing God's voice? Literally, hearing God speaking to you. Uh, I guess in another way of speaking it is God, how God reveals himself to you personally. Now, before we kind of move into the Bible, I want to kind of speak about revelation. Revelation is how God reveals himself. Okay, so obviously the first one is you don't need the Bible. You don't need anything for God to reveal himself. There are basic natural arguments or evidence out there that tells us that God is simply there. Like, for example, I am a rational being, right? And, my, and there's a lot of complexity to me. Like even an eye, if you take the complexity of an eye, if you change one facet of the eye, it just would be, it just wouldn't function. Just straight up, it just wouldn't function. So the complexity of it is just there. And what kind of a God would I need? Or do I even need a God? to create someone like me. And so these are some of the arguments, natural arguments that I'm just simply pointing out. But let me name you five of them that today people have came up with. So there's a cosmological argument. There's a Kalam cosmological argument. There's a moral argument. There's a theological argument and an ontological argument. All of these things, they talk about natural ways of knowing and seeing that God is real. If you would like to Go research them on, 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 you know, on your own. Please do. But that just simply speaks about that God is there. I'll give you a scripture for that. Uh, since we can't use scripture for it, but because I'm a Christian and you're a Christian, and you want to hear, you know, the Bible say something about it. And it does. Romans 1.20 For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, been understood, from what has been made so that people are without excuse. 
So that's just for those people who are reading it and they and they it, that, that should resonate with people who are seeking the truth, right? Because it, that's the truth, and it should the evidence from the world should align with it, and it does. So, but that's just natural revelation. So now suddenly we have to go into some other type of revelation. We're going to call it special revelation. It, 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 God has to reveal himself more specially uh, to kind of show his purpose, who he is. Do we know what kind of a God he is, right? Maybe he is a, um, a Muslim type of a God, a God that just simply is all-powerful and that quality of him, the power, trumps all other properties or qualities of God, like his mercy. Like how, God, how would God act? Would God act powerfully or mercifully in some situations? So in the Muslim aspect of it, power trumps all other attributes. But in Christianity, it doesn't go that way, right? Obviously, we emphasize that Jesus died and it was his mercy and love for us that that was done, the, the whole atonement was done. So it's, it's completely different uh, idea of who God is. And this is why we need special revelation now. So kind of let's kind of go through the historical account of how did God reveal himself. Well, in the Bible, obviously there was Adam, then there was Noah, and then it was Abraham. And finally, the person who actually have written these things down was Moses. So it was through Moses, most of the scripture starts to begin to appear. And so that's where the idea of the Bible starts to form. But before that, how were they receiving the revelation from God? How were they receiving this? And basically it was through dreams, visions, actual angels manifesting, manifesting themselves in physical bodies came to see Abraham or through the bush and through audible voice, literally audible voice out of nowhere would start to speak to you. All those things are mediums through which God spoke to people or revealed himself before the scripture appeared. And then, you know, Moses started to write things down and then it was Samuel and a lot of other prophets start to write the scripture down for us. Okay, but God still uses those facets. The thing is, prophets didn't disappear. Did all the prophecies make it into the Bible? That was inspired, they were true, they, was, they were genuine. Nope, not all of them made it into the scripture. And that's one of the things we need to start to pay attention is that Bible is starting to form itself. Even from the, from the early on, not everything was going into the Bible. Bible was starting to take its own shape and its own form, right? So, like for example, those aspects, I just want to speak about that just a little bit because there's a lot of confusion about, you know, prophecies and prophets in today's world. And there's a lot written about that there's a 400 years of silence. No, when we speak about the Bible, we have to talk about the process of what is making into the Bible and what is not. It's Bible, the way the Bible is created, it doesn't speak to the silence of anything. Uh, one of the greatest evidences of that is that prophetic or prophets became a norm. Like it was even outside of Israel, you know, like you, you had false prophets in other nations. Like that was the custom, that was the culture and that never, never went away. Literally, there were always prophets. You could not find a time in history where there were no prophets. 
That's just complete misinformation by I don't know whom, uh, but many, many theologians who aren't very, very informed about the, the customs and the cultures, and they've made that up basically for you guys. And they just made a statement and we start to believe that. And that's just false. Uh, we had prophets during Jesus' day, guys. Literally a prophet prayed for Jesus named Anna. She was a prophetess. And there was Simeon. It doesn't specifically say he was a prophet, but the things like, how do you qualify a prophet? Well, if there are certain qualifications, you could literally say, well, Holy Spirit revealed to Simeon about Jesus. Well, isn't that what the prophet's supposed to be doing is re receiving special revelation. That's how Abraham received things. And that's how Simeon received things. And he, that was there. That was simply there. It did not disappear for no 400 years anywhere. And today, like for some people say, no, it, it should be silent now. There's no more special revelation. Scripture itself states it. In Ephesians chapter 4, go read it. I give you prophets, apostles, evangelists, you know, upon which, um, uh, by, by whom the church is going to be matured. Uh, they ought to be mature in the church. So it states that the prophets existed, they were there, and the scripture says they should be here today as well. So I'm just simply speaking that that type of revelation did not disappear. That God can visit you with angels, with visions, with dreams, with even audible voice. All those mediums are still there and they're still functioning today. But those mediums are a little more special. So God created a simpler way to communicate with most of the people. And that was the Bible. That's his project. So it's in a way not the revelation, but a special project that God made, right? Just so that there is no confusion. There's many facets. I'm not going to get into it, what the Bible, why Bible is needed. But I'm just simply talking about from a revelation point of view. That is just another way of God communicating to us. All right. And so let me read you, kind of give you a definition of what is the Bible, according to the Bible itself. So this is written in 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is breathed out by God and preferable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And pay attention that scripture is breathed out by God. It's God breathed, right? So that's the proper understanding of it. Uh, today, theologians created many different interpretations of the Bible. How, how are we to interpret it, right? And we gave it like, uh, previously I've done some things and I've done some research and there was like the historical, not historical, author's interpretation. There was textual interpretation and then there was personal interpretation, right? And those facets, man, I, I kind of found a little difficulty with them. So I kind of re, re, reorganized things in my mind to help me understand it better. And maybe it'll help you also. I only have two, which is basically the Bible is like a historical document. Okay. And then it became an inspired word of God or God breathed. It meaning it has this facet. Historical document is necessary just to someone to write down the event so there is no confusion about what happened. So, for example, it is needed for someone who is outside of 
Jerusalem, the region of Jerusalem, let's say somewhere in China, how would they supposed to know that something happened? Well, somebody had to write it down. Or somebody who's outside of that time frame, how are we supposed to know that that happened unless it was written down? So that's a hard record. And a hard record is very difficult to erase, very difficult to, to, to forge. If it's there, it's there. You can't forge it. So it's a stamp in the, in, in, the, in the revelation aspect of things, I guess. And just so you guys know, you know, the account of Jesus is the most solid historical record in the world. I don't think there's a single record out there that's better than the record about Jesus Christ. Like literally, there's more about Jesus than, than the emperors that lived in the day. Literally, there's more records about Jesus. So, let's sort of kind of move on. That's where it's at. And let's, let's now kind of get into this idea of why do we need to read the Bible and where, what's happening here. Just to give you a little example, let, let, let's kind of start to talk about this. Bible sort of takes on a new dynamic. And a great example that I thought to myself is Jesus preached in Aramaic, right? And a text was written in Greek, meaning he had to be uh, translated. His words had to be translated into Greek and written down. So it wasn't even the actual words of Jesus that were inspired. It was the actual text that was written in Greek that was inspired. It was the writer, Luke or John or Mark or I guess Apostle Paul, that text they were writing, that's the inspired word of God. It wasn't even actually the, the words of Jesus, even though he was inspired. He was God himself. Everything he said is truth and stuff, but not everything was necessary, what he was saying, to be in the Bible. Only those things that were needed and in, in a translated form, it was needed for us to hear. So just to start to give you a little, little of a dynamic here of how scripture and how God is creating this project, this, this project called Bible, for us to use for our personal understanding and for our uh, removal of confusion, I guess. So that was a really interesting one about Jesus, uh, right? So for example, I'll give you this one. Who made it into the Bible? But you did not have to be a prophet or a king, right, or someone special. It is God-driven. The things that made into the Bible had to be there for a purpose and for a reason. And it was God-designed, not man-designed. It, it, it did not, it wasn't based on your spirituality or your maturity. None of that was a qualifier for you to be in the Bible. It was simply how God orchestrated events and things that had to go in the Bible. So just, just I'm going to say that. And those are the things that we read today. And those are the things are now that speaking to us. It's not even the actual prophets, right? It's not even Jesus himself. But now it's the text because not Jesus breathed. It's God's, God breathed. Because Jesus is part of God and God is much more than just Jesus. And it's God breathed 
the text is God breathed. And so this is what, what is important for us to understand. And there's a historical aspect to it. So when uh, the writers wrote things, uh, for example, I'm in discipleship uh, ministry, and so I care about discipleship. And one of the biggest things that happen in discipleship is DMM, discipleship making movement. And uh, basically thousands upon thousands of churches began because of this movement. And the way that they received this revelation, when they began this discipleship making movement, it was complete failure. And at one point, one of the founders was David, I forgot his name, David something. Uh, he read Luke 10. And in there, something was highlighted to him, which was the man of peace, a person of peace. And they somehow understood that, whoa, something, something is here. Let us try this. And so God spoke to him. Literally, God spoke to him and said, do it this way, through the scripture, this, through scripture reading, right? And he was just like, whoa. But when you read Luke 10, or you read it from the author's point of view, he was simply pointing out Jesus's, uh, what Jesus was bringing to earth, which was peace. And that's one of the themes that, that Luke carries on throughout the whole gospel of Luke. It was peace, a man of peace, you know? And so it's obvious that the man of peace sort of was there in Luke 10 as well. But then it took on a different aspect of it. So we kind of see that there is this like historical interpretation of the scripture, but there's also this inspired interpretation or personal interpretation. And those are the two facets I try to go by now. It's like there's a historical interpretation, there's an inspired interpretation of Scripture, meaning God is now speaking to you, into your soul, into your situation, into your relationship, into your work, into, your, into the group you're in, into the city you're in, into, you, you follow me here. It's like it's more the question of what is the scope of your personal interpretation. It's not a matter of uh, uh, what is the author meant by it. You can, we can learn those best benefits to knowing and understanding that, but it is the inspired interpretation of Scripture that matters more than the historical interpretation because that's the thing that moves you. That's the thing that reveals to you the things that you need personally in your life. There's also this textual interpretation, but that's to me, is also personal interpretation. Uh, one of the examples of that is Galatians 3.16 when Paul received an interpretation of Scripture. And let me read this to you. So Galatians 3.16, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say, and to his seeds, with the S, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. That is a personal interpretation that Paul received because I guarantee you everyone else did not interpret that text the way Paul interpreted that. I guarantee you that. He only interpreted that because in light of Christ. If, Christ. if people don't believe in Christ, they would never interpret it that way. Simply, simply wouldn't. So... <clears throat> That is the power interpretation we see. We, we saw uh, some of the recent 
ways people receive, Apostle Paul received a theological, and the scope of that interpretation was a very broad. It made it into the scripture. That's how broad the scope of that personal interpretation was. One, one of the other great examples that I thought of was rapture theory, right? That's, a, that's another example of someone reading a scripture. In this case, it was John Derby, and he was reading Isaiah chapter 32. Isaiah chapter 32 was the word, was, was the text through which the whole rapture theory was created through a man, John Derby. It wasn't him, it was just also the Plymouth Brethren in 1830, guys. So, as you can see, Scripture takes on a completely different form and has a completely different function. It's an inspired Word of God. It's God-breathed, meaning that it's His breath coming from it and it reveals to you the things that you personally need. And that is the reason why you need to read it. Because sometimes it's difficult to pray. Sometimes because of our emotions. Sometimes it's difficult to receive prophecy from someone. Right? Or we might be tainted by our emotions and uh, we're tired. Can't properly think through things yet. But when you read the scripture, the scripture is very broad. Right? It's very broad and, and it has many subjects in it. And it covers enormous amount of information. Historical events character, relationship, theology, it covers so much of it that when we read it, now there's a door for God to speak to us. Not about every subject, but when you read it, God starts to highlight certain things for us. And He starts speaking into our heart. Maybe relationship, or it could be even theological. So that's the power. Just I'm, I'm hoping you're starting to see the power of reading the Scripture uh, what powers it has is not just to simply have a dry Bible study and just learn learn the historical events in the background of information and, or even start to read into just text itself. Be careful. Even though we say that the Bible is inspired down through each word, right? Be careful with that. It's not just simply that because uh, we know that Jesus spoke about the master's seed, right, for example, is going to throw that one out there and the mustard seed is not the smallest seed out there so we cannot take the bible down to each word you actually have to be inspired by god right to take it down to each word because the bible we can say bible is true in what it teaches not in what it says because of that but we see that the possible does go down to a single word single word and says boom that's christ so I'm hoping you kind of start to see the power of revelation through the Bible and how Bible ought to speak to you and how Bible ought to help you in almost every aspect of your life. Okay, not 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 to say not to say that the prophets aren't needed. Absolutely not, because a lot of times Bible will not speak to you about your personal direction in life. Like, hey, should I go be a missionary? Bible just simply not going to speak to you about that. He'll just simply say that that's true, that prophets still exist. Or, you know, or, or well, I think Bibles, or they're speaking in tongues, I guess. Uh, these gifts are still real, you know. 
but it will not tell you you should be one. That's where you need personal revelation or prophets speaking into you, uh, things like that. Just to kind of give you a little heads up on it. And then you're going to start to see, it's just simply saying that Bible is the easiest medium. <laughs> it's a masterpiece that God made. He made it easier for us to receive the revelation of God. Because we know there's so many false prophets out there and it's sometimes very difficult to believe some of them. And then even sometimes it's very difficult to believe a good one. Because one time, at the times they're like, right, 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 and then boom, they're wrong. It's like, ah, oh, man, it was wrong that time. You know? Or maybe it was some certain misinterpretation. And that's where scripture helps. It's like this masterpiece that God made and said, I made it simpler for you guys now. It's easy now. Just read this, and I will speak to you, and I will speak into your life, and I will give you strength, and I will encourage you, you know, through the scripture. And that's one of the things that really kind of dawned on me that I got to really press that into my, my brother also is to say, hey, I told him, read this, read this, and he just did not read any of the stuff I was telling him to because he was tired or whatever it is. But it is exactly in those moments when you're in pain, when you're in distress, whatever the situation is, your go-to thing should be, let me read the Bible. And God will reveal things to you that you need to because it's hard with all other ways where they, maybe they don't live up to the standard or to the, to the fullest of truth. They don't really, how do I want to say this, they don't really reveal the full truth of things. But when you read the Bible, it does. All right, guys. So that's all for now. And I'll talk to you guys next time. God bless. Take care.